0: The following message is from a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. Look, for those who are junior high who are sitting here today, uh, sorry that you're stuck with me today. Here, if you could give me 30 minutes and pay attention, I promise I will not go past 30 minutes for you before you fall asleep. When Pastor Steve uh, texted the other day and says, Tommy, would you consider preaching? Would you be able to preach the message on Sunday? It brought back memories of my junior year in Whitney Young. And here's why, it's a true story. And let me brag a little bit about myself. Junior year, Whitney Young. I am on the math team, all right? I joined the math team. Now, when I joined the math team at Whitney Young, I was not the starter. I was not even first alternate. I was the second alternate, but I was waiting for my chance, all right? And so one day the coach comes in and he says, all right, the starter's out, first alternate out. Lee, you're up. All right, I'm gonna show you why you get it. So I get there, I get my exam. And I go into this room, I sit there. My strategy for being part of this math team, I am gonna look at all the problems and get all the problems that I know out of the way and then concentrate on the problems that I don't know. All right, that's my strategy. I sit down, go through the first page. Don't know anything, that's okay, that's okay. Second page, don't know anything either. Oh my gosh! I get to the fourth page. I don't know any of the answers. And that was probably my last time I was ever called to be part, a starter for the math team. I lost my chance. And so for Pastor Steve, I probably was, I definitely am not the starter. I probably wasn't the first option. Hopefully I'm the second option. I, I, I think I'm the third option, right? Three weeks ago, I sat here and my college roommate, Philom and his wonderful wife, Stephanie, goes here to his church. And they're not here today, but I think he's watching online. And so I get done three weeks ago, and I said, Phi, how did I do? And he says, I can't believe I sat through that disaster you call a sermon. And so hopefully it'll go better today. Look, three weeks ago, we sat through and we looked at the story of Gideon in Judges 6. And the whole idea was this, that God uses everyday, ordinary people like you and I to do his extraordinary work. God uses ordinary people like you and I to do his very extraordinary work. And we talked this whole story of Gideon and uh, the Malachites, the Midianites, all these guys, when it was harvest time, they would come and invade the land of the Israelites and they would take all of their grain, all of their oxen, everything they could get their hands on. Well, it gets to the point that they're so discouraged and they cry out to the Lord. The Lord is about to send a warrior to fight these Midianites. And he sends Gideon of all people. And the angel of the Lord, according to Judges 6, tells us, Hey, Gideon, the Lord is with you, almighty warrior. And as we looked three weeks ago, it's ironic because what was Gideon doing? He was threshing wheat in a wine press. He wasn't courageous he was a mighty he was kind of a wimp he was a weak leader but god's picture of us is different than the picture that we have of ourselves and that others have of us in the midst of that conversation gideon has to remind the angel of the lord hey remember this did you not know that my clan of all the clans is the weakest clan and i am the weakest in the weakest clan Lord, do you know that makes, where that puts me dead last? The angel of the Lord never disagrees with them. Never says, hey, look, your, your client isn't that weak. So-and-so's client is weaker. No, no, he, in fact, he agrees with them. But he tells them this, go in the strength that you have, and I will be with you. Go in the strength, whatever strength you have, whatever weakness that you have, and I will be with you. The very night, he goes up to Gideon again and says, before I send you, tear down that pole and put the proper altar in its place. And we talked about heart issues. All of us struggle with heart issues. All of us deal with some of those heart issues and what is inside of us eventually comes out. We don't have altars. We don't have statues that we put up, but we do have altars in our heart that we do need to tear down. And God is in the midst of working on your heart. Today comes the second part of it. Because I, ideally, we, we don't live by ourselves. It's not like a lot of times these issues is something that we have to deal by ourselves. No, we live in a community. And in some sense, when we're in a community, our actions will affect other people. Our inability to deal with these hard issues will have a positive and negative effect on other people. Within the body of Christ, People's heart issues will have an effect on us. They will hurt us. They will sin against us. What happens when someone within the body of Christ sins against you? That's the topic we're going to talk about today. And in 2 Timothy, Paul gives us a situation, a case study per se, of what happens when a guy by the name of Alexander the coppersmith, the silversmith, the coppersmith, not Alexander Hamilton, Alexander the coppersmith, sins against him. So if you're a Bible, let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Let's begin in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. A couple points on this. Number one is this. The people who hurt you may come from the community of believers. The people who sin against you, the people who do you wrong may come from the people sitting in this room. It may come from family members who says that they're Christ followers. It may come from friends who says that they're Christ followers. People who do you wrong and who hurt and sin against you may come from the community of believers. Alexander the coppersmith was a very influential Jew in the city of Ephesus. That's where the story takes place. And Paul and his missionaries come to Ephesus and they proclaim Christ, everyone, and Alexander is one of those individuals who become a Christ follower. In fact, a lot of the people in Ephesus become a Christ follower because of Paul and the missionaries. Pretty soon, Timothy becomes the leader and the pastor of this church. But with that decision of people coming to know the Lord, there are ramifications. What's the ramifications? Well, if you bring in one God, who do you have to get rid of? The existing gods that were there. And in Ephesus, what was the existing God? A Greek God by the name of Artemis. Well, Artemis, a lot of times, there were statues of Artemis. People were buying statues. People like Alexander and not everyone was making money because of all these statues as a coppersmith, silversmith, all of that stuff. And so it got to a point as people started becoming Christ followers, the sales in Artemis statues began to decrease. And so now there's tension because people are losing money. The tension got to be so bad. Alexander the coppersmith was chosen as a liaison, according to scholars between all the silversmiths, all the metal workers, and Paul. Well, Paul's not gonna budge. We're still not gonna have sales of Artemis. And eventually, for Alexander, money got into the way. Greed got into the way. And somehow or another, he does him wrong. In some sense, it is believed that he finagled the situation in order to continue to benefit from the the sales of these Artemis statues and ultimately have influence with the Roman officials to get Paul in jail. And that's where the story takes place. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. There will be people who are within this room, within your family, within friends that you call brothers and sisters, who will sin against you, who will hurt you, because we're all sinful people. Even though we're saved by grace, we still are sinful people. And we will intentionally do things that will hurt you to benefit ourselves. Let me give you an example. I told you a story about the pastor a couple of weeks ago. Well, there was this other conference I did with the same exact ministry, and I really enjoyed this ministry a lot. And it's it's a pastor who I really enjoy and respect a lot he wanted me to plan a conference in Los Angeles. And it was supposed to be a 4,000-person conference right in the city of Los Angeles. And we planned it, and everything was going well. And one day, I get a phone call. It's a Wall Street finance guy. And he wants this particular pastor, after this conference is done, to go to his church in Newport Beach to speak. I said, all right, I'll bring that request over to him. So I bring it to this particular pastor. I said, hey, so-and-so from New York, who lives in New Jersey, but he works at Wall Street, would like for you to speak, would you do that? Well, this pastor is in the East Coast. He says, Tommy, I, I'm going home Saturday night. I just have to be home. I can't do it. Please give my regards. So I go back and he says, he can't do it. So the guy says to me, he says, I will tell him, I will give his organization $100,000 if he comes to Newport Beach to speak to my church. And he's elder of a church. I said, okay, sure. So this, the pastor decides to speak. So that after that, I then need to then approach that particular individual for a $100,000 donation. So I said to the guy, hey, would you be able to issue that check? Would you be able to wire the money? The guy from Wall Street who lives in Newport Beach says to me, Tommy, I changed my mind. It's the cost of doing business. Learn from it. Oh, did I get in trouble for that one. Sometimes because of our struggles, because of our hard issues, because of our greed and all of those things, we will be hurt and taken advantage of by the people we call brothers and sisters. Alexander's Coppersmith did me great harm. Number one, People within the body of Christ will hurt you. And number two, they will hurt you. Why? Because they deal with heart issues. We talked about those heart issues if you were with me a couple weeks ago. The heart issues of guilt. That there are some people here in this room that are listening right now who struggle with guilt. There are things in your life that you've hidden. There are things in your life that no one ever knows, and it eats you up. Every single day, it eats you up. There are some people in this room that deal with anger. You're just angry at someone, at something or a situation. You're angry at a parent. You're angry at a loved one. You're angry at a spouse. Whatever it is, you're angry. There are some people who deal with jealousy. There are some people who deal with greed because hurt people hurt other people. Hurt people sometimes don't want to deal with their heart issues. Hurt people doesn't want to face those heart issues. Hurt people don't want to come to grips. And so as a result, they take it out upon other people. We have to remember in the midst of dealing with our heart issues that what is inside of us eventually does come out. And when it does come out, it affects people in a very negative way. Alexander the Coppersmith did me great harm. Alexander the Coppersmith, a fellow believer, a Christ follower, a brother and sister in the Lord, because we're gonna be hurt from people here in this room that we call brothers and sisters. And they hurt us because of some of those heart issues that they struggle with. But the Lord will repay him according to this deeds the second part 14 the lord will repay him according to his deeds a couple things i say this number one a lot of times when we see this the lord will pray him according to his deeds does not mean that we are a stepping stone for everyone else that as christians that we allow people to step all over us hey we give them if one person hits us on one cheek we give them the other cheek that's not what it means It does not mean we passively say, there's nothing I could do. The Lord's going to take care of them. No, 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 no. It means that we still have to address the sin. It still means that we have to confront the sin. It still means that we have to come face to face with that particular individual. Now, how do we do that? I don't know. Every single situation could be a little bit different. It's something that the Lord will have to convict you in your heart to deal with that sin that you're experiencing. It does not mean that we sit there and we become a stepping stool. That's not what it means. But you're gonna have to confront that sin. And for some of us, and I think a lot of times for me, and some who are Asian, it's a hard thing. We don't like confrontation. We avoid confrontation. Growing up a lot of times, I was so bullied by a lot of the Caucasian students that were in my neighborhood. And my parents were immigrants. uh immigrated here in 1972. I was born in 1977. My parents always told me this, don't ever fight back. Don't ever say anything. Put your head down, work hard, study hard, and make a living out of yourself. They didn't want to deal with conflict. And that's, in some sense, how I was geared. I was grown up not dealing with conflict. But in the midst of all these things, when we see sin and when we experience sin, you're going to have to deal with conflict head on. You're going to have to deal with hard conversations head on. And that may be hard. When you go home tonight and later on, Google Tommy Lee, and Pastor Steve mentioned that one of the organizations I work with is Northern Seminary. Just Google Tommy Lee in Northern Seminary. You're going to see two things. You're going to see two stories in which I'm going to story with an investigator. I worked for a boss who was pretty difficult. I worked for a boss who micromanaged. I worked for a boss who would take credit for everything that was going on, And then from that point on, when things went well, he threw me under the bus, all right? That was the situation I worked with. And for about a year, I remained silent. Didn't say anything, you know what? I coughed it up to the fact that, hey, look, he was just a bad boss, all right? But as time went on, employees started coming and going. We had a huge changeover all the time in different employees, and it got to a point, a lot of times as I sat down with the women colleagues, they would tell me stories. Of how they felt bullied or they pu- were punished and demeaned whenever they spoke up. Now, Tommy Lee had a choice that he had to make. Do I sit there and say nothing? After all, the seminary was paying Tommy Lee and Resource Global, not Tommy Lee, but Resource Global a lot of money to sit there and just do my job. I'm not gonna mess that up. I could just sit there and keep collecting the paycheck, and that's your problem, and it's not mine. I had to learn how to deal with sin. And it got to a point where I said to the women, if you report this and you come out, I'm with you. I had to sit there and learn how to deal with that. We don't know how to deal with conflict. Dealing with conflict does not mean we take a back seat. We address the conflict. We come head on with that conflict. But in the midst of that, you better be checking your own heart. You better be asking, is there something I did wrong through this situation? Is there something I need to own up to? And then, as the verse says, trust that the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. That's all we could do. do confront the situation. Examine our own hearts, but trust that the Lord will repay him according to his own deeds. And that's the part sometimes we have a hard time of letting go, don't we? Sometimes we have a hard time just trusting that the Lord will repay him according to his deeds because we want that person who hurt us to experience the punishment that we experience. We want them to feel that Pain. We want them to beg for mercy. We want them to apologize and admit they did us wrong. That may not happen. And you're gonna to have to be okay with learning how to forgive. Alexander Coppersmith did me great harm. There will be people within the body that hurts you and sins against you. And they're gonna sin against you because of the heart issues that they have. The Lord will repay him. That means that we still have a responsibility to address it. We got to deal with the conflict head on. But in the midst of that, we got to examine our own hearts. Is there something I need to own up to? Is there sin in my own heart? And trust that the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Verse 15 Beware of him yourself. For he strongly opposed our message. But in the midst of all these things, beware of the person that you're dealing with. Former President Reagan had this wonderful quote. I'm not sure if you guys, for some of you guys who read it in the history books, he said during the period when he was battling, dealing with the Cold War and the Soviet Union, he said this, trust, but verify. Trust a person, but verify Famous saying is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Paul gives his advice. It is great to forgive, but beware of him yourself. And that means sometimes we're going to have to set up boundaries. And that means sometimes at a more even, a more extreme sense, you may have to cut ties off with that person. Because it's unhealthy for you to be in that relationship, beware of him yourself, and make strides to continue to build the relationship. There's a story of a couple. I know of a couple, young married couple, very successful couple. They were in the Silicon Valley and worked very for a tech company and were extremely successful, high-powered individuals. They went and got their MBA, uh, MBAs. Both of them went to the same university, prestigious university, and got their MBAs. From that point on, they both decided that they want to continue to still find a job in the same company. So they got hired in a very affluential, athletic shoe company. And when I say that, it's not Reebok, all right? So a very affluential shoe company. The wife was a superstar. She was going to oversee all of the marketing in Asia, and she was overseeing all of it for the World Cup. The husband was also bright himself, did inventory and supply chain, everything like that. But pretty soon, the husband got caught in some problems. The issue of greed started affecting him. And what did he end up doing? Selling shoes on eBay. Start selling shoes on eBay using his employee discount. Now, when you sell one pair of shoes, not a problem. Five pairs of shoes, not a problem. When it starts hitting 50 to about 100 pairs of shoes, eventually that company is gonna find out. Well, the wife was just gonna be promoted and she was gonna see oversee all marketing over in Asia and just got her assignment, and they were ready to ship out to Hong Kong. Well, eventually, Human Resources found out what the husband was doing, and they fired him. They called the wife in and says, at any point, did you know that your husband was selling shoes? Yes. At any point, did you try to stop him? Yes. At any point, did you report him to HR? No that job gone rescinded your job gone you're fired as well too that affected their marriage for many many years she had to deal with anger she had to deal with processing and they went to counseling for a number of years dealing with all these different things because of one person and his inability to deal with the heart issue and allow greed to get the best of his life and a lot of times that's what's gonna happen folks A lot of times, you're going to have individuals who make decisions that affect your life. And you're going to have to come to grips with that. And you're going to have to learn how to forgive. But you're also going to have to learn to confront that situation. Because we're all sinful. And we all need grace in everything that we do. Alexander Coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. But beware of him yourself. And he says this in verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that, and here's the key phrase, so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed. And all the Gentiles might hear it. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Last time I was here, I was talking to you about my cancer journey. But here's another journey that affected me even more cancer and the physical stuff I could deal with. When I was growing up, I was bullied all the time in high school. I was a little chubbier, not always very smart. My sister was brilliant, my younger sister. Got straight A's, perfect SATs, went to Yale, brilliant. My brother was a lot smarter than I was as well too. I struggled at school. I was pretty much overweight as well too. I became the laughing stock all throughout my high school. And I developed much anger toward everything and everyone. That anger resulted itself that when I went to youth group for the very first time, and by the way, my parents sent me to youth group to learn social skills, all right, to learn social skills of all things. I had a youth pastor who really invested into my life, and he gave me hope. But in the process of it, of doing ministry, I started realizing one thing. I'm pretty good at this ministry stuff. I know how to do this. And when I do it well, I get the applause of other people. And you know what? I started eating that up. I went throughout college. I loved what all my experience at WashU, loved it. Loved the people there. But there was something in my head that really kept seeking approval of men. Came back and graduated. Started working with high school students, college students. I was pretty good at that. Did it naturally, grew it. Started appreciating and loving the applause of men. It fed my ego. I started realizing that things were wrong. There was something that I needed to deal with. And so as a result, right before I graduated from seminary, I wanted to work at my church in Chinatown full time. But I realized these heart issues were going to get the best of me. And so as a result of that, I sat down with my elders one day, my church elders, and I said to them, there are issues in my life that have affected my ministry for years and years, and I need your help to keep me accountable. There are issues in my life that as I continue to come, and I would love to be part of this church long term, and I said that to them, I would love to do an internship. I love to stay here and have a full-time job, but you need to hold me accountable. And I share with them my struggle, my anger. I share it with them some of my struggles with gaining people's approval. And here's what they said to me: You have issues in your heart that disqualify you from ministry. Not only do you never will you ever have an internship here again. You won't have a role here again, and we don't believe that we'll support you ever in ministry. And that's what they said to me, and that was done. The following week, I sat there at church, and I opened the bulletin, and it says, Tommy Lee has decided to step down from the college ministry. Ooh, wow. No one told me that. I guess you just, I just got fired after 18 years as a volunteer. And I had to deal with that anger. And I wrestled with that anger. But the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me. And he got me a job at a church that I never would have imagined. Up in Northbrook, Illinois. With random people I never met. And there I found a community of friends. Many of them here, sitting here to this day. Who ministered to me. Who cared for me who built me up. Later on, I got a job working for the president of Moody Bayou Institute. Then after that, I started working and started Resource Global. All of that because of what others did to me. But the Lord in his powerful way stood by me and strengthened me. Probably not in the way that I ever thought, Probably not in the way that I would have ever wanted to. But it's interesting how he works, isn't it? To him be the glory forever and ever. The world teaches us that forgiveness forgiveness makes you feel good. And it's good for you. That's different than biblical forgiveness. Biblical forgiveness is choosing to forgive even when it hurts it's choosing to forgive even when we still feel wrong we gotta deal with it we gotta confront the issues and trust that the lord will work and the lord will pay him according to his ways a couple of applications and i'm gonna finish up in these last two minutes i promise you guys 30 minutes i have four minutes left with these applications number one you may very well be the one who is the one hurting people Address your hard issues. Don't be stuck on ego now because your inability to deal with those hard issues eventually will come out. The issue of guilt, anger, jealousy, greed, eventually it will come out. If you're the one who's dealing and hurting people, because hurt people hurt other people address those heart issues. And too often I say this to the men, we don't want to address those heart issues because we don't want to show weakness. But it's times like this that we got to continue to maintain that humility and say, what is is happening in my own heart and what can I be doing to address those issues? Number two, if you've been hurt, learn to reflect. How did it affect me? How did it change me? Who am I I right now as I sit here with them? And sometimes in the midst of asking and reflecting, you're going to need professional help. Seek that professional help. But learn to reflect. Learn to understand what God is doing through you. Learn to understand what that situation did to affect you. And if you need to find professional help, so be it. I sat there after that church incident for two years with a professional counselor dealing with my anger because I realized I needed to address that. Learn to reflect. Learn to understand. Learn to seek what the Lord is teaching you. Learn to process all those issues. Number three, and four, you're going to have to learn to look past the people and see Jesus in the distance in the midst of experiencing sin from other christ followers you're going to become disenchanted for those who are older church attendance for your younger generation is declining people are not saying that they don't want to be christians people are saying they just don't want to be here in this church where they're sitting in a room full of hypocrites and people who are double talk pastors who are living their own lives Within the body of Christ, we will live with hypocrisy. We're going to deal with sin. And you're going to become disenchanted. That's a promise. When that time comes, you're going to have to learn to look beyond the people and see Jesus in the distance. You're going to have to be like the story of Zacchaeus who climbs up a tree willing to look ridiculous, with all these people ridiculing, pointing fingers, making fun of him, criticizing, talking behind his back, and see Jesus in the distance, and keep your hope upon him. I said, I have a wonderful pastor uh, who was very influential in my life. My problem is, he no longer is a pastor. He walked away. He was recently in my office, and he says, Tommy, how do you maintain hope? Because I gave up hope a long time ago. Every day, you and I choose to follow Christ, choose to make decisions, to die to ourselves each and every single day, to continue to be a city on a hill, to be a shining light in all the things that we do. And that means every single day, we deal with hard issues. Every single day, we live with humility. Every single day, we're gonna make mistakes along the way, but we choose to do what is right because Christ gave us a second chance through death on the cross. My employees at Resource Global, with all of them, I sit there and we will always have one conversation. And I tell them this, as you work in this job, as you start engaging with some of these ministry leaders that you read in a book, you're going to hate what you see, and you're going to be disenchanted. And when you become disenchanted, you're going to have to choose to see Jesus in the distance. Learn to see Jesus in the distance. Learn to continue to persevere. Why? And we wrap up with one minute to spare, because grace and the cross is our example. Because Jesus gives us that example. Jesus provides us with that second chance. Jesus and the story of the cross, where he dies on the cross, where he's the guardian Gethsemane, he doesn't want to deal with this thing. And he becomes our example. Because forgiveness is not something that we do to make us feel better. Forgiveness means that we let go of what we think we are old. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him according to his great deeds. We're going to deal with people in the body who sin against us. And they're going to sin against us because of the heart issues that they have. We confront those things, we deal with it head-on, we examine our hearts to see if there's anything that we need to own up for, but we trust that the Lord will repay him, but we beware of that person, knowing full fact of these words, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear.